chapter 3, I believe I'm going to go to verse 27 and 28. Um, I want to share with you some things there that God has placed upon my heart. I'm skipping down a few verses um, because of and I'll, we'll talk about those <clears throat> and um, see what God might have for us. And, uh, but what the Lord, uh, John chapter 3, and as it contains one of the most favorite of all verses, as we've said already in the past, in uh, preaching and talking about uh, just all that John chapter 3 holds, it is just a tremendous. Tremendous chapter, and then with uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Um, I was thinking this morning as um, I was re reading, studying praying about the message today that um, how this year has been a, <clears throat> a to me a telling year for a number of reasons um, uh, it's been a telling year as far as some people's commitment to Christ um, it's been a telling year as far as their belief in God's Word. Uh, Jenny, I will talk about her. She, uh, We've both had the flu over the past month, and she's still not feeling real well, having a hard time getting over it, so she's not wanting to get out much, and neither do I really, but as far as catching something else. And uh, uh, immune system, no doubt, down a little, but uh, we're compromised as well. But uh, but I, I got her on Facebook, and I, uh, you know I developed a Facebook page for her and got her all hooked up to it. And to be honest with you, I have created a monster. Uh, yeah, and there was some guys that come on the other day, and I tell her every now and then, she'll tell me of a post, and she'll friend anybody coming and going. Yeah, because she wants them to hear the gospel. Uh, now, there's some Muslim fellows that have been trying to get her to be a friend, and she doesn't do that. Yeah, they're from uh, way somewhere off, you know, and... and uh, they're probably just looking for a good wife or something, but a good ticket to the United States. Um, 
But but anyway, there was some guys the other day that came on, and they were knocking the King James Version of the Bible. And he listed, and this guy's a pastor and preacher, and he listed a bunch of things knocking the King James Version. Now, the King James Version is a virgin, version as long as... As, as much as any other version that's coming since the original. And, uh, but Jenny, and normally I'll say, baby, don't do that because, you know, you're going to start a, you know, she'll say, I'm going to go back to them and I'm going to tell them. I said, no, don't do that because you'll start an argument and you know how it is and you'll, and, and, and I, I hate to beat somebody up over this, you know, so just let's don't do that. But the other day before I knew it, she went back to them, not defending the King James Version, but saying to them, you have put this on social media and unsaved people are seeing this post and you are dogging the Word of God. Something to that effect. And it shouldn't be on social media. And and that's one mountain I'm worth I'm I'm willing to fight on. That I've noticed so many people over this year that have shown themselves as far as God's word is concerned. And one of Satan's tools is to get us to understand if he can take away God's word and and get us to doubt God's Word, then we'll doubt other things that are in God's Word. We'll doubt God Himself or Jesus Christ Himself. And and I encourage people to go back and read God's Word. And I'm seeing people that don't love His Word, don't read His Word, don't don't apply his word to their lives and 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 we this is all we have is God's word now we have the holy spirit of god that lives within us and dwells in us but but this is what we have to turn to to read and to to love and to believe and if you take all of that belief away from us then we don't have much else. We don't have anything else. And so I, I want to emphasize and reemphasize today that we must believe this is God's Word. And in dealing with people and in talking to people, it's difficult to convince them of something if they do not believe this is God's Word. There's this pull. There's this... There's this infighting, you might say, among people of the different translations or the different uh, versions of the Bible or within the different ministries that are there. And I'm, I'm, what I'm saying to you might be very confusing when I get into the message, but, but there needs to be a central theme of all of this. There needs to be a central message in all of this. That there needs to be 
a central idea in all of this, and this centrality is Jesus Christ. That we need to, regardless of what translation we read from or what translation we hold dear, that it all needs to come back to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And, and so John is he's starting to deal with some things here. And before I get into verse 27 and 28, that Jesus has uh, already come to him. He's been baptized by John. Jesus is out doing ministry now. And the disciples come to John and they say, John, what's going on? This Jesus fellow is over here baptizing people, and people are following him. And in fact, they use the word, everybody's following him. Everybody's going to him. And even some of John's disciples have gone over to Jesus Christ, and these guys are getting jealous, and these guys are wondering what's going on. So, well, John, what are you going to do about this, that that Jesus is attracting. Well, people, uh, and I know you all agree with me, that Jesus is the theme in all of this. The goal of all of us and the goal of every preacher, the goal of every ministry is to point people to Jesus. Verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. John answered these disciples that were disagreeing. And I, I think today one thing that we're lacking in, in churches is proper leadership and people in the pulpits across America that, that will draw folks back in and say, let's, let's get our attention where it ought to be. And John says, I've told you before, I'm not the one. I've told you all along in my baptizing and, and what I've told you to repent and, and get right with God. I've, I've told you all along, I'm just the one uh, preparing the way. I'm just the one, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm one that's preparing the way for that one that's to come. And it wasn't too many days before this that John said, I'm not even worthy to loose the shoes from his feet. I'm not worthy to untie his shoe latchets. I'm not worthy to take the sandals off of his feet. I'm not worthy to do that. And, but there's one coming after me that's above me and greater than I am. And John's saying, look, guys, drawing these people back in, getting their attention where it should be, it's not First Baptist Church. It's not this Baptist Church or, or that church or any other church. The attention should be on Jesus Christ. And our jobs as churches is to draw men and women to Jesus Christ. Our, our jobs is to draw people that way. And John says, a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from above, from heaven. That John his first answer to these disciples were that everything he had, including the people that were following his ministry, everything he had, everything that was there, 
Everybody that had responded to his preaching, everything was a gift from God. They were God's gift. God had done it. They, they should be grateful for what had taken place. When a church grows, if it, uh, let, me, let me say it this way. I had a fellow one time, and when you preach the gospel and when you, when you share the gospel and when you witness and when you do what you ought to do, growth comes naturally. That, that God's going to save people, God's going to draw people, God's going to do it. It's God that does it. I had a fellow one time, I was pastoring a church, and he come up to me, and he said, well, you got our Sunday school up to over 100. And I said, no, no, don't give me credit for that, because when it falls under 100, you're going to blame me for that. It's not me that gets the church uh, Sunday school up to over 100. It's not me that lowers the church's number. It is God who gives the increase. It is God who does all of that. We recognize as we point people to Jesus, as we point people to God, as we make Him the central focus of our ministry, we make Him the central focus of our life, people are going to be drawn. In fact, what did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And so he's, John is saying, what do you all expect? We've been preaching Jesus. We've been talking about one that's to come. We've been talking about preparing the way for the kingdom. We've been talking about preparing the way for the king. Everything we've got, every follower, everybody that's been baptized, everybody that's been saved, if I could say it that way, Everybody that has come this way is a gift from God. God has dealt with that soul. Now, can I be honest with you? I've wondered. I know God's still dealing with people. I know God's still drawing people. I know God's still saving people. But I have recognized in my own life that over the last few years, not as many are getting saved as used to be getting saved. Can any of you agree with me on that? Not as many are coming to the Lord as was coming to the Lord a few years ago. Not as many are receptive to the Word of God and to the invitation of God as what, what's going on in this world. And even though... I, I told Jenny, one church I was in, if I could say it this way as well, I had a, a guy come up to me and say, Preacher, you're, we like your preaching, we like you, and which, you know, that's nice, I want to be liked. Uh, but he said, you're too evangelistic. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, well, thank you. And he said, well, no, I didn't mean it as a compliment. And I said, well, I took it as a compliment. Because I was down on myself because I haven't won anybody to Jesus for a while. I haven't seen anybody saved under my ministry for a while. It was bothering me. And so you're saying I'm too evangelistic. I appreciate that. And he said, well, we don't want you to be that evangelistic. And I said, well, I don't care what you want me to be. I'm what God wants me to be. God has told me. God has, has instructed me to lift Jesus up. And lost people will come to him. 
And I was telling Jenny the other day, it's bothering me. Nobody's being saved. Nobody's rededicating their life to the Lord. Nobody's getting close to God. I've had preacher after preacher tell me the same thing. I've had uh, church after church tell me the same thing. In fact, there's more of a falling away. What's going on? If we're lifting Jesus up, if we're preaching Christ, John says, look, folks, whatever we get is a gift from God. Let's praise God for whatever we get. Whatever we have is a gift from God. Whatever these followers are, they're, they're a gift of God. They, they should be received gratefully. And every time we see something like that, we should receive them greatly. I've been told over the years and never here, you all never said this, never will, but I've, I've had people tell me we've had people get saved and come to church. We've had people come into church. I, in fact, look, can I tell you, we had a deacon one time, and uh, I was pastoring a church, and we'd have, we had visitors coming and people joining, and, and he would go up to them and say, you don't want to come here. You're not going to be happy here. In fact, the preacher's not going to be here very long anyway because he was doing his best to run me off. And, and so anytime somebody would come through the door, he would run to them and say, we're glad you're here, but you don't want to come here. And I found out about that. You know what I told him? You don't want to come here. You're not going to like it here. Because evidently you don't like it here now. So it'd probably be best if you found someplace else to go. Yeah, so we, over the years, you know, we ought to be grateful for whatever God gives us. And you are, I know that, and I... And, but I'm preaching to other people that today on, on Facebook or home listening to this or somewhere and that we need to understand we've got people that are, I've had people say, we don't want that kind in our church. And I say, do you not realize you were that kind before you got saved? In fact, you may still be that kind even though you got saved. That we don't want that kind of person in our assembly well, what kind of person do we want? Everybody that comes to Christ is a gift from God. Amen? Everybody that comes. Aren't you glad that Earl's saved and going to heaven? Do you all realize? You all knew him before I did. You know how mean he was. Amen, Earl? Yeah, that's right. Norma, you're glad, aren't you? Yeah. But, but isn't it something? Everything that we should receive gratefully from God then John says, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. I'm not the Christ. It's not me. John reminds his disciples that he knew who he was. John knew who he was. He said, I'm a voice. I, I watch some, I don't like to, and I don't encourage other people to, but you might have a favorite guy on television that you like to watch, and there are some good preachers on television, but I watch some of these nuts sometimes on purpose. Uh, and I watch them just to see what's going on in their life. They think they're the center of attention. They think all the world revolves around them. They think everybody ought to cater to them. 
Now I'm saying, tell Jenny one time, I said, I expect him to be struck by lightning real quick. You know, right there where he's at. That some preachers and some people think the ministry uh, is around them, that it's all about them, that ministry won't go on without them, that ministry can't go on without them. And I tell folks all the time, you all have tolerated me. I, preachers come in and they do things and they, they change things or they, they preach about this or that. And you folks, preachers are a dime a dozen. They'll come and go. But the membership stays right here. This, this church grew, you all grew up here. People grew up in this church. And one of the things that I've realized over the years, it's not about me, it's about him. It's about the church, and the church is the most important thing. And John said, it's not me. I know who I am. I'm a nobody. But God sent me here to tell you about a somebody. He also knew who Jesus was. He knew who he was, and he knew who Jesus was. In fact, one of the arguments that I have against abortion, and I'm not going to preach on that this morning, but if you remember the little story about how John's mother and Mary, they got together one day, and Mary told John's mama, said, I'm going to have a baby. And he's going to be the Savior of the world. Do you all remember what happened? John did somersaults inside of his mother's belly. He wasn't just a little glob of flesh, was he? He heard what was going on and was excited about it. He said, oh, that was just a coincidence. She had gas or something, you know. But no, John understood what was going on. John understood what was going to take place. He was about six months older than Jesus Christ. That, so he, he, he knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was from the time he was in the womb. He knew who Jesus was as he was growing up. When John was preaching in the wilderness and saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was looking forward to just a few months down the road when Jesus would come in and take over. And that was what John was working for. He said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. I know who I am, and I know who Jesus is. And in understanding that, he could keep his proper place, not get high-minded, not get hard to deal with, thinking he was somebody other than who he was, not too low even, thinking he had no call or place in God's plan, I look at my own life. I'm a nobody. I, I come from a drunkard's home. I come up um, out of a holler somewhere. I come uh, up on Fudges Creek Road. I know how I was raised. I know who I am. I know what the neighbors felt about me. But let me tell you who I am today. I am a child of the living God. I am a child born into the family of God through the new birth of that I experience when I come to Christ by faith. I am an heir to the throne of God. Glory to God. I'm about to get happy now that I am somebody in God. 
I'm a nobody from where I come from, but in my Father's house, I am somebody. We all, as Christians, are somebody. We, it doesn't matter how we were raised. It doesn't matter what we went through. It doesn't matter what our past was. It doesn't matter who our mom and dad was here. What matters is we are children of God and that we are somebody in God. In fact, I'm somebody so special that Jesus died on the cross for me and gave me eternal life, forgave me of my sins. I'm somebody special because of that. But I don't draw attention to myself because of that. John says, I'm nobody. He's everything. But I'm somebody because God's called me to this position. God's called me to be a witness for Him. God's called me to be an ambassador for Him. God has called every one of us as Christians to serve Him, to witness for Him, to lift Jesus Christ up before a lost and dying world. I liked what uh, Valley had up here on their board. See, where are we? This, this way. Yeah, we'll find out here in a minute. Uh, that up on the board said, it's time for the church to be a battleship and not a cruise ship. And that's exactly right. Too many years, too long, we've just been cruising along. But it's time for the church to become a battleship. To, to take within their grip, within their grasp, this idea, this notion that there's work to be done, there's a battle to be won, there's something, and how can we do that? By lifting up Jesus. By sharing Christ. Everywhere Jenny and I go, we share Christ. Everybody we run into, we share Christ. Every place we have an opportunity to stop, we share Christ. And what we run into sometimes is amazing. John explained to his followers even then that he was like the best man at a wedding. He isn't the bridegroom, but he's standing alongside the bridegroom. He isn't to be the focus of attention, but he's to supervise the bringing of people together. The best man stands over to the side, and he's supervising. I remember one time I, I helped officiate my niece's wedding, and she beautiful singer um, and uh, she sung a song to her husband and all the time she was singing the song she was looking at the best man because her husband was bawling her husband to be he was crying and she and I asked her afterwards I said why did you look at the best man all the time you're singing she said I knew if I looked at him I wouldn't make it through the song. Because the best man, he was just grinning and laughing and carrying on and while she was singing it, and her husband-to-be was bawling like a baby. And so 
she directed her attention to him, but she was singing to her husband-to-be. John says, I'm like the best man here. I'm officiating, or I'm making sure that these two come together. John says, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make sure you and Jesus Christ come together. I'm trying to, I'm trying to point you to somebody other than me, or other than the church, or other than the ministry. I'm trying to point you to Jesus. In a Jewish wedding customs of that day, the friend of the bridegroom arranged many of the details that would take place within a wedding. He orchestrated it. He, he got it all together, and he brought the bride to the groom under Jewish tradition. But the friend of the bridegroom was never the focus of attention. The bride and the groom was. And he wanted it that way. Not, this isn't my day, this is your day. That's what John was saying to his disciples, this isn't my day, this is his day, and your day. The fact that the bridegroom represents Jesus is another way the Bible says that Jesus is God. And so John goes on to say that there's joy that's being fulfilled. There's something that's going on. And you all can read on down through verse 30 if you'd like. And and you'll see these... uh, statements coming here, but John wanted his followers to know that all of these arrangements brought him great joy. John says, I've been preaching now in the wilderness for some months. I've been living on locusts and honey, and I've, I've wore skins, and I've, I've sacrificed, and, I, and I'm, I'm a simple man. I've not done anything to draw attention to myself. But he said, this brings me great joy because I have preached and I have baptized to bring people to Jesus. And you guys are here saying, he's taking everybody. Now, he wasn't taking everybody. That was an exaggeration on what they were saying. But said, everybody's following him. Everybody's going after him. And John says, great, good. That's why I've been doing what I'm doing. That's why the church should be doing what they're doing. That's why all of us do what we're doing, to point people to Jesus. That's why Joe, as our youth director, does what he does in trying to have devotions with teenagers and others around. And I've run into a bunch of kids here lately up at Food City and they say, when can we get back to having youth uh, uh, meetings? And I said, when the governor lets us do it. If you don't like it, write the governor, not me. Joe and I would like for it to be happening right now. And so they're missing it. They, 
They want to get back together, some of them. And that's why we do what we do, to point these people to Jesus. John said this, bring, you all just making my day. John said, you all just making my day. You come here telling me that Jesus is baptizing and people are following him. You're making my day. That's what I'm, I'm working out of a ministry so Jesus can take over. And I'm working to get, you know, it was like, like this if I could say it this way and then I'm going to quit here in a minute. John said, I'm glad my church is dwindling and I'm glad his is growing. Because that's been my whole goal. I want my church to, to fold. I want my church to go under that his might grow. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You're bringing me great joy and telling me that Jesus is coming and taking over and Jesus is growing and people are following him. John said he must increase, but I must decrease. Let's point people to Jesus. Point people to Christ. John the Baptist shows us that we might be real popular sometimes and outwardly successful, but we still be humble. God might be blessing and doing some great things in, in lives of a church or pastors or youth workers. John the Baptist had fame and crowds were gathering around him and they were following him and he had type of a celebrity status, if you would, that only some pastors maybe could dream of. But yet he was an example of genuine humility. And he showed that to us. And if, and if the writer wasn't there, if the disciples weren't there, we would never know this took place. That when Jesus came down into the water with John the Baptist to be baptized, John said to him, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You ought to be baptizing me. You see, he didn't broadcast that to everybody. Somebody overheard it that the Holy Spirit of God would instruct it to be put in the Word of God that we might be able to hear it. And John was saying, hey, I'm not worthy. Now, I don't know if John was a shouter or not. Being a good Baptist, he might have been. But I'll bet you they splashed water out of Jordan that day. Can, I mean, I can't even fathom can you imagine baptizing Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, which would take away the sin of the world? I don't believe John did it with a straight face. I don't believe John did it. I'm not saying that he shouted or jumped up and down or whatever, but I will tell you that that man was overwhelmed. He couldn't help but be overwhelmed. He had the Son of God in his arms and in his hands. John the Baptist also, he didn't quit his work when his church started going down. He continued to point people to Jesus.
He continued to point people to Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus was doing a similar work, and he was doing it for more people, John labored on, telling right from wrong, telling sin and righteousness, baptizing people, pointing them to Christ. When disciples would come to him and say, Are you him? No, I'm not him. But let me tell you about who he is. I know who I am. He went on, content to do what God had asked him to do, content to do what God wanted him to do, content to be where God wanted him. I know some preachers back years ago, so many times we gauge our success in ministry by how many people are saved or how many people do get right with God. And that's not how we should gauge our ministries as a church. We should gauge our ministries as a church by how many people we reach, by how many people we preach to, by how many people we teach the Word of God to. And oh, it's wonderful to see people change, and it's wonderful to see people saved, but we should gauge our ministries on how faithful we are to the task that's before us of just getting the job done. I know preachers that would preach at a church for a little while, and some of them maybe just a few months. And if, and if people would stop being saved, or if people would stop coming to an altar of prayer, or if people would stop coming and things just kind of settled down a little bit, they would resign the church and say, nothing's happening, so I'm leaving. And so God's done with me. I'd say, no, how do you know God's done with you? I can't argue with you about whether God's wanting you to leave the church but I can't believe that God just wants you there for a little while and then move you on just because somebody's not being saved. Are you preaching truth? Are you preaching the Word? Are you preaching uh, to them about the love of Christ? Well, you might have some old mossbacks in your church that have been coming for years that aren't saved and need to get right with God. And you don't know about. Many people come in under the excitement of a new preacher or a new ministry and a honeymoon type of thing and they're excited and, and on that plateau they'll have a revival but then when things settle down and the word of God starts to really deal with people's hearts and people begin to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. It's not due to our laziness or slothfulness that John is saying that crowds have ebbed away. Every church in America today can blame it on COVID now. Huh? Or I'd rather blame it on the governor. Wouldn't you? No, I'm just kidding. Let's blame, blame it on Newsom out in California or somebody like that or somewhere else. But we... We can always cast blame somewhere else, but just because doesn't mean ministry stops. Doesn't mean ministry ends. 
this tide of converse, conversations about Christ and this tide of conversions and rededications and they've dropped below what might be normal or what the might be a formal former uh, level of what to expect and uh, and I won't I'll try not to say what kind of church this my friend pastored but I had a friend down in Tennessee that pastored a church and he was a soul winner and he was out witnessing and bringing people in baptizing people and getting them into the church and all, and and so some some of the hierarchy in the church uh, came in one day, not in his church, but from somewhere else, came in and met with him and said, um, said, you need to stop. And he said, stop what? He said, you need to slow down. You're above your quota. And he said, for what? She, and he, they said, for salvations. We only expect you to have four salvations per year. And you're having 60. And so you need to slow down and stop. And he said, I'll slow down and stop when I die. But people are dying and going to hell every day. And I'm not going to lead four people to the Lord and then just not do anything else. I'm not going to set back. We don't have a quota, do we? We don't have a certain number that we want to reach and then rest. We've got to reach the world. These are things which the Holy Spirit of God works, and He works in the heart of people. When Jesus Christ is preached and He divides them up uh, within the churches or within communities or within groups of people, it doesn't bother me if... uh, well, let me use Jason as an example. And there were a lot of people that were praying for Jason Taylor. There were a lot of people that were witnessing, <coughs> excuse me, to Jason. He would come here and, and he would be under conviction and he would hold on to the seat. He'd come up afterward the service and say, Preacher, I'm under conviction, so bad I can't understand it. Would you pray for me? And I said, Well, I have been, but it won't do any good until you turn loose and let go. I can do all the praying in the world, but if God's dealing with you until you get saved, it's not going to do any good. And he said, pray for me. And he would come, talk to me, excuse me, talk to me, call me, text me, and and uh, we would pray with him, we'd talk to him, we'd see him out on the street somewhere, and doggone if he wasn't saved and baptized somewhere else. Did that bother me? No. When he called me and told me he got saved and was going to get baptized, I hollered hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. Because we're all in this together. It's not something that we we get jealous over. It's not something that we guard. If we're preaching the gospel and people go somewhere else and get saved, praise the Lord. If, If somebody else is preaching the gospel and witnessing to somebody and they come here and get saved, praise the Lord. With Upward Program, we'd have a number of uh, young kids get saved and they'd go to church somewhere else, but they got saved here. They'd go to church somewhere else, praise the Lord. And some people would say, well, we've not gained anything from it. Are you stupid or what? 
We've been a part of the kingdom. We've been a part of lifting Jesus up. We've been a part of seeing people saved. When we get to heaven, they're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus is going to say, well done, Clintwood Baptist Church. You preach the gospel. You love those children, and you got them saved. Glory to God. We have a part in it. Amen? John says, if I can just have a little part in the pointing people to Jesus, it brings me great joy to know. Even as his will is, some might say, we're losing some. They're going somewhere else. If they're going to Jesus, glory to God. If they're getting saved, glory to God. Let's just do what God has asked us to do and lift Jesus up to a lost and dying world. Amen, church? Amen. Let's stand together. Father God, as we've come before you today, Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to preach the gospel, to be a pastor, uh, to be a part of the ministry that goes on within this community and within this church. Thank you for this church that over the years folks have been saved here, folks have come to Christ. Folks have rededicated their life. Uh, folks have, have become contributing members to society as far as the church is concerned. Folks have gone to heaven when they've left this world because of the ministry of this church. God, let us think about the people who are dying around us that we might be able to have an effect on. That we can, even under these difficult circumstances, that we can be on the radio and people can sit in their homes and listen to our services. That people can watch by way of Facebook from, from several different states, North Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky. Lord, we could mention others as well. That God, that people are hearing the Word of God go out from this church. And many of them that might get saved or might rededicate their life to you, Lord, we may never see them and may never hear from them. That's okay. Because we've been faithful. God, help us, even in this difficult time that we're in, that the Holy Spirit of God, through our faithfulness, will reap the rewards and the results. Father, I pray for each one in Jesus' name, and amen. Come, now is the time to worship.